Blog Talk Radio. Carol the Coach. Sex, love, and relationships. We talk about it here. Carol the Coach. Compassion with contemporary relevance. I am a psychotherapist. I can be your personal life coach and I can help you with your issues. There are no problems too small or too big. You can talk about anything. Speaker, columnist, radio TV host, and commentator. Carol the Coach brings messages of wellness and empowerment within reach of everyday people every day. Almost five years ago, I lost my soulmate in an accident. He was killed in a plane crash. Life just for me has seemed to stop. There are groups all over the city. I mean, I teach one. It is a specific way to start thinking so that you shift how you see the world, which then shifts your energy, and then you feel better and you actually see things differently. Carol the Coach, always available to at carolthecoach.com. Now I've got Russell on the line. I'm 47 years old. I'm a truck driver. I'm married. I have a wife in San Francisco. Okay. I haven't been home in six months. My thing is, I, I don't know if I have a sex addiction or what the problem is. Why do I want what I can't have? And as soon as I can have it, I don't want it anymore. You're right on target when you say, I don't know if I have a sexual addiction. Well, guess what? Yes, you do. And you know what? That's my specialty, Russell. So you're at the right place. Continue. I meet women online and, and I'm in a different part of the country. I, I travel all 48 states, so I love sex. I hear self-esteem issues. You never felt good enough and you didn't feel like you were getting what you should have then. And you're really reenacting that now. Do you want to change that about yourself? I got an interesting email this week. He says that he is not sure if he can trust 12-step meetings. He says he feels kind of depressed after experiences going to a 12-step meeting. And, you know, I understand that. I mean, certain, uh, you know, psychiatric support principles does affect people. And when that occurs, what needs to happen is that we need to know that everybody is different. And, you know, I always ask people, well, have you done six meetings total? And they'll go, well, no, I've only done two. And I say, please go to six, because if you've done six meetings, that'll be a better um, estimation of what you need. And truly, what I believe to be true is that oftentimes, you know, it's easy to be judgmental. It is easy to not believe in the process. It's easy to be critical. And I really, really feel that it is so important to work on trusting the process. And that is difficult because, come on, I mean, more often than not, your whole life is in a a mess, and it's hard to really know that you can trust, trust and believe that anything is going to get you out of this. So, I want you 
to do a variety of things. And that would be, I want you to follow the 10 different principles. I mean, clearly, you can't just do one or two because this is a process addiction. And what that means is a process addiction is the thing that that keeps you from being able to be normal, that keeps you from being able to trust yourself because it has taken you to places that you never, ever wanted in your life. And wow, our, um, our guest tonight wrote Life After Lust, Stories and Strategies for Sex and Pornography Addiction Recovery. Forrest Benedict, who's an LMFT, and he's a CATP. He has written this book. It's really, really very good. It's been endorsed by a lot of people. And it is a book whereby you learn not only his story and the story of others, but you also learn about how important it is to follow a book that teaches you successful recovery. And Forrest Benedict, obviously the author of Life After Lust, talks about a 52-week plan that helps navigate addicts into healthy recovery and healthy living. So he goes into into his story. He goes into the principles of his belief system, and then he goes into an amazing roadmap for men and women who want to turn pain into purpose. And this book is very inspirational. So for my clinicians out there listening, for my addicts listening, and and for my partners, I just want you to know that there is plenty of opportunity to make your life better, if you can, believe that there are things that obviously teach you the skills you need to combat process addiction. And it is not easy. There is no doubt about it. It is not easy at all. And and yet I promise that it will make you a healthier, stronger person. Now, I got an email the other day, and she said, well, call her Susie. Hi, Carol. I recently found your show, and last summer I identified as a sex and love addict. Your show helps me deal with the loneliness that pervades my days and nights in my healing journey. My question, I have craved some men and not others. I am convinced I only craved those I truly loved and who were quality partners, but for some reason they abandoned and rejected me. It seems like I can only attract the boring losers with nothing to offer. Now, what are your interviews got me thinking and I'm interested to know your opinion or if you have a resource for more info do you think love romance addicts are only addicted to other addicts the reason I ask is that if I'm only craving and connecting to men who are unavailable 
in any way, including just not that into me, then it seems like I'll always end up with a 10 times more withdrawal than I had before I started the relationship. If, however, the human magnet syndrome is true and I'm only addicted to other addicts, there may be hope for me. Once the craving and obsessing starts, it's too late. Yes, you heard me. It just feels like it's too late to deal with this. And nothing I can do will help me. I don't know how to avoid men I'm attracted to, and why would I? I'm not dating, but I hear various stories from recovery that my picker is broken, so I should never respond to a man I find attractive. She says, Susie says, I'm codependent, so only then do I attract narcissists or anxious love addicts who attract avoidant types. Carol, what would you tell me? Do you believe in that human magnet syndrome? Well, I have had um, several people that says that, you know, when... When, you ha- when you're broken, now this is not what I'm saying, okay? When you're broken, you attract what you need to fix yourself. And so this is a sex and love addict that wonders if she only attracts sex and love addicts because she's never going to get what she wants. Now here's what I believe to be true. If you do the work for yourself and around yourself and you work really, really hard, and you go to SLAA, Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous, and you read their book, and you take the test on their website, and you work with an SLAA therapist, you are not going to attract the same kind of person because you're going to have broken the cycle. You know, what I do know is if you have these wounds and they're pervasive, yes, you're probably going to pick the wrong person until you fix your wounds. And I guess that's a bad thing, but I want to say it's a good thing, too, because it's impetus to pick the wounds no matter what. So, okay, i got to ask you, are you willing to do the work it takes to make your life different. Are you willing to go through everything we need to go through to make your life better and more improved and to feel good about yourself? I know that's hard work. But what I know to be true is when you do, it makes a difference. And that is what we're looking for. So, okay, are you willing to do what it takes to really make your life feel important? And, you know, sometimes People have sex addictions, and sometimes they just want to be loved. And it sounds like Susie just wants to be loved. And so, Susie, get yourself to a CSAT, a certified sexual addictions therapist, who can help you with 
love factor. Will you do that for me? Because I'm telling you, when you do and you work with a specialist, you get more results, and that's what counts. Okay, now tonight, again, we're going to be talking with Forrest Benedict, and he believes that recovery from sexual addiction is difficult, but it's possible and worth the effort. That's kind of what I was just telling Susie. Forrest knows because he's been there. In his new book, Life After Lust, Stories and Strategies for Sex and Pornography Addiction Recovery, he writes candidly about his personal recovery journal and journey, sharing many science-based strategies for successful recovery. He's actually a sex addiction therapist. And he really believes his book will provide you a clear recovery roadmap. It's for both men and women ready to embark on that heroic path from pain to purpose. All who seek a renewed vision for recovery will find hope and help in his book. And i got to tell you, he has a special offer for clinicians. So if you're a clinician listening to this show, Make sure to stay on so that we can talk about ways that you can get the book at a reduced rate so that you can help your clients. You know, he is going to talk about who needs to read this book and why it's unique. And, you know, he does have this 52-week plan for recovery. He also is a special contributor for parents who are afraid that their child may be using porn. So what I know to be true is that Forrest has dedicated his life to making the lives of others more manageable. And it's a great thing when somebody can share their own personal recovery to make that happen. So I so look forward to him coming on the show and talking about this book that is endorsed by Robert Weiss, Stacy Sprout, Clay Olson, Craig Gross. And really, um, he is the clinical director of Lifestar of the Central Valley. And that is a sexual addiction treatment program that focuses on sexual addiction treatment. He works with Protect Young Minds, and he's passionate about protecting children from pornography. Let's face it, we all know you need to start with the kids. So I'm looking forward to Forrest really um, making this an interesting show. Uh, This book of his uh, is amazing. And, you know, You and I both know that this show is to learn about techniques and models and treatment that works. And I am blessed to be able to give you this show and to interview the experts like Forrest and especially give you the reading materials, the workshops, the programs, so that you can get healthy and know what are the resources that best fit what you need. So I know you, too, will be looking forward to what Forrest has to say. So, Forrest, welcome to the Sex Help with Carol the Coach Show. 
Hi, Carol. I'm so glad to be here. Absolutely. And this book is amazing. you got to tell me what made you decide to write Life After Lust. Obviously, it's about stories and strategies for sex and pornography addiction recovery. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, you know, I've been writing articles on the topic of sexual addiction for a, a couple of years now, and um, somebody I know had recommended putting them together into a, a seri- into a book and or, or to collect them together. And so I brought a lot of them together in this book and decided even to share more about my own recovery story, which I had been public about, but I felt like it would be helpful in the book to get into get into that a little little bit deeper um and so i went ahead and brought together these different uh articles i'd written and then ended up writing additional articles um and putting it together as a book um to to kind of arrange it so that it would make sense to the reader um and then as as that evolved I was able to create that 52-week plan and really um, make this digestible to people so that they could see um, not just helpful articles, but really, um, you know, as I talk about in the book, the essential mindsets of recovery, skills of recovery, and then missions to accomplish as they go throughout their recovery journey. And so that's that's how I brought the book together, but, you know, all of that really started long ago, about well, about 13 years ago when I started my own recovery process um, from sexual addiction. Well, I know, and you talk about the essential mindsets. So can you give us just a couple that you believe are, you know, important for somebody who's dealing with pornography addiction? Yeah, and, you know, in the beginning of that section, I talk about kind of contrasting them with uh, the core beliefs that Carnes talks about. You know, um, I'm a bad and worthy person. No one would love me as I am, um, those types of things. And and so some of the essential mindsets that I've put together, and and let me mention that this is really not a book that's meant to um, take the place of any other recovery plan. It's actually, as, as you've probably seen, Throughout the book, I direct the reader to find a therapist that specializes in this area and and that this is really meant to supplement a 12-step-based program or a therapy program um, and working with a, a, a sexual addiction therapist. So um, so these are some of the mindsets that, that I put together um, just from, from my stories and, and, and the book. Um, like you said in the intro, recovery from sexual addiction is difficult, possible, and worth the effort. Um, I will give up everything that hinders long-term recovery. I take full responsibility for my past, present, and future choices. And this is one that um, I think might be slightly controversial just from what I've heard, but I really felt like this needed to be in there, and it's that permanent sobriety is always possible. And um, I just I just know that that belief helped me so much in early recovery to really do whatever I needed to do. And, and a lot of that was very difficult getting into therapy and just um, you know it's not it's not like a rose-colored glasses mentality, but it's I think doing whatever it takes to to get there. 
And then, yeah, if we do fall on the way, um, we learn from that. But I think having this mindset that it is possible um, really does help people engage it in the journey in a, in a different way. Um, and also talking about lust, that lust is a lie and never satisfies. Um, so those are some of the, the essential mindsets um, that, I, that are offered in the book. There's 19 total. Yeah, and, and you know, uh, I, I was working with a man this evening, and it was in a group experience, and we'll call him Jim. Jim said, I don't know that I'm ready to give this up yet. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to, but ultimately, in my heart, I'm not sure I'm ready to give up my best friend. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, that is the dilemma for so many addicts. They want to do the right thing, but they Mm -hmm. don't want to let go either. And truly, your, your book has some strategies to help you get to that, over that hump. Can you talk just a little bit about them? Yeah, and, you know, one of the, interestingly, one of the chapters in the book, in the in the mindset section of the book, is called From Under the Rock, and that is really comparing um, recovery to, uh, the, I don't know if you've heard the story of Aaron Ralston. He was a hiker that ended up cutting off his own arm to get free. Mm-hmm. And so I, I shared that story because, I really feel like that's what sexual addiction, um, seeking recovery from sexual addiction can feel like, that we really are cutting cutting off a part of ourselves, you know, that the addiction has sentimental value because it helped us survive our life and, you know, it's very difficult to let go of. Um, so some of those skills that I think help people in this process, you know, are Things and again, a lot of this is just from things that I've researched and, and that have helped those that I work with and myself. Um, but consistent and effective self-care is essential. I think I think there's a few different areas where um, addicts just will keep getting stuck. And for me, this is a big one that we don't really have the kind of self-esteem to really want to care for ourselves, and yet even neurologically. Um, you know, lack of sleep and lack of exercise and, and unhealthy eating really do have a, a detrimental effect on our brains and, and the self-control that, that we need to do this. Um, some of the other skills are learning to manage shame, um, healthy self-soothing and relaxation. Um, I'm, I'm huge on self-compassion, so I, I introduced that throughout the book, um, you know, minimizing self-criticism, uh, a lot of the things presented in the book are very um, attachment-based, you know, learning to connect with self and one's own emotions, learning to connect with one's higher power um, if they have one, uh, learning to connect with the group and accountability and the partner. And so um, I know that this is so hard to imagine living without the addiction, and I, I know that. I know that I know what that's like, um, and yet I feel like if we're able to start the process and be around people that are encouraging the process and that have been there um, and have led people through it, that it is going to be worth it. And I think some of that is just um, trusting the process. I think you mentioned that earlier on the show. Mm-hmm. 
and it's mm-hmm. just so difficult to imagine that a better life could be um, on the other side when you when you don't have a sense of it right now, and it can be very dark right now. Well, and you know, so. you say recovery from sexual addiction is difficult, possible, and certainly worth the the effort. And what I love about your book is that it's strategically structured into three sections: mindset, mastery, and mission. Mm-hmm. Can you? Explain those three um, important sections and let us understand. Obviously, we were just talking about mindset. If this man is not ready to let go, it ain't going to happen. He really has to turn it over and admit powerless and that, you know, his life is not going to get better until he does something hugely different. So Mm -hmm. talk about mastery and and mission. Yeah, so mindset, you know, I think that's really, um, you know, it's definitely not something that happens overnight, that that there's different mindsets that will fuel successful recovery. I mean, even just seeing that lust isn't the solution to every problem is, is going to be a long-term uh, process. And so um, I've divided, like you said, I've divided the book up, and I think the mindset – is something that's developed throughout recovery, and yet mm-hmm. um, some of it is is introduced early in recovery as people start going into meetings and and engaging in the process. Um, but just knowing that a mindset shift will need to take place, um, you know, I think that's essential for them to to see that that is going to be a part of the process. Um, and then the the skills, the mastery section, I. I set it up as mastery because I really wanted to I, – I feel like the book presents so many avenues, um, so many pieces of recovery that could feel very overwhelming to some, reading all of these things, all these things a part of recovery. And, and so I felt like presenting it as this is something we're learning to master, you know, like somebody starting to work on their black belt. You know, this is something that will take daily practice – you know, for the rest of your life, one day at a time. and But, yeah, if we see these as skills to master, we can be more accepting that this is going to be um, not a quick fix, but something that over time we will we will master. And so there's those skills that I think really support long-term recovery, and um, those are presented in that section, um, one article at a time. And then the mission section, you know, that – that is really about finding your purpose as a result of going through recovery. And this is something I, I really believe that the more we recover, the more connected with ourselves we become, the more connected with our dreams and our contribution to the world and giving back. Um, and so I really feel like, um, you know, like there's a chapter, Out of Our Pain Comes Our Purpose. And there's there's a couple other chapters um, you know, like I, I, you mentioned earlier, I, I really do strongly believe that even as we go through our recovery, that we need to learn to protect our kids from pornography and learn to connect with our kids. And um, you know, there's there's some other uh, articles, or I keep saying articles, but chapters in there. Even even some like, you know, I, I know there's probably differing views on this, but I personally do not feel comfortable going to a gas station that sells pornography and so I talk I talk about some of that like 
what are, what are we doing in our lifestyle that's either contributing to the pornography in our society or um, choosing to to not go there and, and choosing to um, you know change that in our in our world. So those are some of the things. And then the wake up call is kind of my was was the last chapter of the book, and that was really talking about long term recovery and some of the pitfalls. Um, in long-term recovery, as well as the potential, and I really want people to see like that it's, it's so worth waking up for to experience some of those that um, is really a life that they haven't seen before. So it really is meant to be an inspirational book, but also uh, provide lots of equipping as well. And um, I, like I said, I, I think it'll really strengthen the work that therapists are already doing with their clients. Well, and, and that's a wonderful segue because you have a very special offer to clinicians and therapists that listen to the show. Will you let them know what you're willing to do? Yeah, you know, I would love to get this in their hands. Um, I think they'll see the value of it when they get it. Um, and so I'm I'm happy to, if they'll just email me, um, my email address is forest with one R, at forestbenedict.com then I'm happy to send them a code to get the book at 50% off. Just get a, give them a discount on that because, um, like I said, if and, and that would be for specifically clinicians that are working with this population because I really, I really do feel like it will benefit them and the people that they work with. So I would love, I yeah, would love to do that. Yeah, they use the techniques and the principles that you advocate in the book as well as then expose other people to why this book is so valuable. And and I got to tell you, um, and I, I tell my listening audience all the time, our, we have over half a million downloads that are opened a week. But wow. that takes a week. I mean, the first yeah. day, I'm lucky if I have 3,000, and then and builds throughout the week. So if you will give our clinicians couple of weeks to get back with you on this i really believe you know it's like anything else with the internet people listen to these kind of podcasts when they can fit it into their busy day whether they're mowing the lawn washing the dishes doing the laundry or they're in the car and so i'm going to ask if you would give them a couple weeks and i know my clinicians out there will get a hold of you because we have a lot of them no i'd be happy to do that and i'll I'll leave it open throughout the end of April, actually. I'd be happy to do that because, I mean, there's a lot a lot of people doing this work out there, and I would love to to get this book into their hands. So that would be my pleasure. Well, perfect. Now let me ask you a couple of questions. Um, obviously, you were talking about the three sections, Mindset, Mastery, and Mission, and I was talking with Patrick Carnes on the show, and he said three things that resonated with me and really um, are emphasized by what you said. He Mm. said, you know, it's only through great suffering that we experience transformation. So Mm. for people out there that are experiencing the suffering of sexual addiction and or their loved ones who are experiencing the consequences of sexual addiction in their life, the good news is, as painful as that is, it really does allow for transformation if you use it that way. So transformation is key. 
after the pain comes. So pain first, mm-hmm. transformation. And then the third thing he said is it has to be completed with purpose, with giving back, with doing mm-hmm. 12-step work, or making a difference as a result of the pain mm-hmm. and the transformation. And, yeah. you know, why so many of our um, recoverers have decided to go into counseling and help other sex addicts, and whether they become recovery coaches, whether they become CSATs, whether they become sponsors in a 12-step program. I mean, there's all sorts of ways to give back. And that's what your book seems to really emphasize, that, you know, lust was the problem, and yet there's real life and recovery when you do the hard work, it works and it makes you a better person than you could ever have been even prior to all the, the problems. So yeah. Would you share a little bit about your life and, you know, what made you so powerful in terms of saying, hey, you know, I have this background and it led me to sexual addiction work. Can you share a little bit about you? Yeah, no, I'd be happy to do that. Uh, well, you know, I was I was raised in a family uh, where my dad was an alcoholic and bipolar and um, just just a lot of difficult things came into my life as a result of that. Um, I'm I'm actually grateful that my parents divorced for that reason, so that I wasn't growing up directly in his household. But um, that that really was a source of a lot of my pain early in my life, even uh, when my dad went to jail when I was six years old and just, you know, dealt with a lot of things that uh, that kids shouldn't have to deal with, um, you know. And, and and I was introduced to pornography at age 12 um, at a friend's house. And, you know, my, my mom was actually very protective, so I think uh, – it, it wasn't wasn't a story she would have expected was going to occur, and uh, for me, it really became a, a secretive addiction, um, and and I had a very much of a double life. You know, I was involved in Boy Scouts and church, and you know, had this um, kind of public life, and then uh, privately, you know, just trying to sneak around and trying to figure out how I could get it, and that was actually before the internet. Um, so it was much more difficult to come by. Um, but later when the Internet did come out, um, that, that kind of paralleled a very painful part of my life uh, with where, where my dad was uh, suicidal and homeless, and, and, and it was just very difficult for me. And, um, and, and so this is one thing I see with my clients is that the more we act out, um, we kind of act out in relation to the depth of pain that we have. And I think at that time of my life, I really was deep in pain and um, was pursuing pornography and um, at, as, as much as I could and, uh, and other types of acting out as well. Um, and so it wasn't until about age 24 when I decided, you know, I had tried, I had tried many things to try and get free uh, from this addiction, um, but I finally uh, decided it was time to go into treatment and so I went to a four-day intensive, and, you know, for me it was $1,500, which as a 24-year-old was, was a lot of money. And um, I ended up going and, you know, just really had this sense of, you know, 
turning a new leaf and just really committed to doing whatever they told me I was going to do. And um, so, you know, went through that experience, got out, got into therapy, uh, started even, you know, getting serious about accountability and and doing the things they asked me to do. And, you know, it, it, it was pretty quick where I really realized that this type of work was what I wanted to do. And prior to that, I really didn't have any interest in becoming a therapist. Um, you know, I, I took sociology in my undergrad just because it was the easiest. You know, I I never thought about pursuing a master's or anything like that. And so um, I ended up moving down to Fresno to pursue my master's degree in marriage and family therapy. And, um, yeah, after re- receiving that, I went on to get a specialization in this area and, um, you know, kind of the the path unfolded as I continued to pursue that. I was very purposeful in that, really felt like this is exactly what I wanted to do, this work, and so ended up becoming the clinical director of our Lifestore program. And, um, you know, throughout this process, though, I'm, I'm sharing some of the achievements, but, you know, I continued to work my own recovery, and I, you know, have my accountability partner, and I have my groups that I go to, and so I, I really feel like, um, you know, I want to share this process with others and, and just show them that it's possible, and, you know, I I, I love the idea of people getting free and then um, kind of unleashing their gifts and beauty and who they are on the world as they get free, because that's what I feel like has happened in my own life, and I just... I think it's so worthwhile. So, so that's a little bit of my backstory. Well, absolutely, and you are definitely strength, hope, and inspiration that one can um, maneuver this addiction and use it to actually help other people and to be the best person possible. So, I, I really mm-hmm. appreciate you sharing that story, and you do yeah. in the book, and so. I want you to to tell us, who do you think is the perfect audience for your book? You know, um, I was very intentional throughout this book to keep it um, gender neutral. And there's a couple of pieces in here that are just impossible to not make fully gender, gender neutral. There's one that's specifically to fathers, and there's one about... Uh, what my wife is worth and and how to pursue recovery, um, but I, I try to frame it in such a way that it would pertain to both male and females um, addicts. And so, this book really is like it's for males and females. Um, I had um, thankfully, I'm, I'm so grateful that Stacy Sprout um, ended up reading the book and even helping me change some of the language so that it would be more. Um, more helpful for female addicts. And I just so appreciate that because I, I wanted females to feel included and that I wanted this to be helpful for them as well. So, um, and I also really wanted it um, to be open to, to people of all religious backgrounds. Um, I really was careful. Um, sometimes I do talk about God, but that's more more from my own experience. But I'm definitely respectful of people from all backgrounds as far as that's concerned. And so really it it could be anyone it could be someone that doesn't that's new, um, that, that wonders if they have a sexual addiction, isn't sure. Or it could be somebody that's already engaged in recovery, or it could be someone who's long down the road in recovery because 
you know, I, I feel like this has lessons for each of us and, you know, we can read this book and say, okay, what, what areas am I lacking and what, what could I do to strengthen my recovery? Um, and so, and not just to help people stop behavior they don't like, but really to replace it with um, love and connection and meaning. And, and so that, you know, it's kind of broad. I've, I definitely, there, you mentioned there's, there's a couple things in there for parents, but I think teaching uh, recovering addicts how to connect with their kids and how to be better parents is part of the process. Um, and I, surprisingly, I did not write this book for partners of, of addicts, but I've had several <laughs> read it. And I think it, I think it's really hopeful for them. It gives them an idea that recovery is possible and, so that was an unintended audience, but um, I think it's it's really cool that partners have picked this up and, and found it to be really helpful. Absolutely. So tell our readers, well, your readers, my listeners, a little <laughs> bit about the 52-week plan, because obviously there are 52 weeks in a year, and you've got this 52-week yeah. plan. Yeah, you know, I, I felt like that would be really helpful either whether it was an individual going through this or or a client working with a therapist. And so mm-hmm. the you know it's it's kind of like two books in one in that in a sense that you have the first book with all the chapters and the second book would be the 52 week recovery plan and that's meant to kind of guide the reader through um working through the articles in a in a order that makes sense. And some of those first couple weeks are like, you know, find a therapist that specializes in this. Um, that's like week one. And then it gives them um, recommendations of where to look, rec- recommendations of questions to ask to make sure the therapist is qualified and has experience. Um, and so just really basic stuff in the beginning. But then moving into more of the skills, you know, um, I, I use other resources, like I love um, Running on Empty by Janice Webb, uh, which has nothing to do with sexual addiction, but it has everything to do with emotional neglect. And so it helps people, you know, so many of our sex addicts were emotionally neglected, so it has them go on there and, like, take a, a emotional neglect questionnaire online. Um, and so there's, you know, different things like that uh, where they learn to connect with others, with themselves, and so it, you know, every week there's there's it it kind of pairs up one of the um, mindsets, skills, or missions with an assignment. And so there's you know maybe answering some questions or maybe doing a online um, questionnaire or or something like that that just helps them feel like they're moving forward. And so my hope is that that would um, help people that are that need that structure in their life and, and also help help therapists maybe add another layer to what they're already doing with clients. Um, so I think, it, I think it's, it's meant to be, it's meant to make the book very helpful and very usable. So that's, that's Absolutely. the purpose. Absolutely. And you know, I love that Patrick Carnes really believes in recovery tasks and you do mm. one, two or three things to work on a task and obviously the first one is breaking denial, and the second one is understanding your sexual addiction. And, and in your book, as I was reading it, I was really 
I'm very taken aback by the practicality of if you do this this week and this next week and this the following week, you just absolutely will move towards recovery, transformation, Mm -hmm. and purpose. And that obviously is very similar to your mindset, mastery, and purpose. And that, you know, Mm -hmm. is so important to people so that they actually take their lives from ground zero to, uh, you know, there is no number to describe how far they can go when Mm -hmm. they really work their recovery and it works. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I think these these steps, you know, these weekly assignments would would fit very nicely with, um, you know, what a CSAT's doing or what other therapists are doing, especially therapists that may be working with this population but may not have much of a structure to it. Um, so I think that's really helpful. 100%. And so now, because obviously our listeners on this show are addicts, partners, and clinicians. Mm-hmm. Again, you do have a special offer for clinicians, and in case they join the show late, I want you to tell them one more time what they can get by contacting you through your email. Yeah, well, again, my email is forest with one R, like, um, not, yeah, not like Forrest Gump, um, forest at forestbenedict.com. And, um, yeah, if you, if you email me and just let me know uh, what you do, um, I'm, I'm looking for getting this in the hands of, of, of other sexual addiction therapists, and so I'd be happy to give you a discount code for 50% off the book just to help you get it over to your, to, into your office and, and to help you with the work that you're doing. Perfect. Now, you have obviously... You started young, and a lot of people would have said, you know, in early 20s, you can't be an addict. There is no way that you can have um, gone through the life experience to make an addict. And what I always say is, you know, there's people that don't even believe in addiction, but compulsivity is the key Mm -hmm. to addiction. It's not being able to control it. It's not being able to stop. It gets worse and worse and worse. And mm-hmm. I'm assuming that your porn addiction w- was all three of those things. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I was constantly seeking out the addiction. Um, I was betraying the trust of people that loved me. Um, I was doing other things, too, besides pornography that I'm not so public about, but um, that really point to that this is something I could have really gotten into trouble with, Um you know, but I was definitely out of control in a lot of ways and medicating my pain and disconnecting from important relationships and um, and tried many times to stop in my own efforts. And so, yeah, I, I definitely feel like it was an addiction. Um, and, and, you know, it's an everyday battle, too, you know, staying on track with my recovery, um, you know, habits and and work is is something that i i I feel that it definitely has been real for me um you know that pole is that pole is not 100 percent gone you know especially on days when i you know get bad you know poor sleep and um there's always that pole and so i i feel like i definitely 
had an addictive experience and that I have to continue maintaining my recovery. Oh, 100%. And so, you know, very clearly, the people that listen to this show are in all stages of recovery, and you speak to all of the stages. And you're an inspiration because it's like you knew early on, I need some intensive help. You got the Mm -hmm. help. Then you had a sense of purpose and said, I want to help others with this problem. Mm-hmm. And, you know, earlier we talked about it. that may mean you're a sponsor. That may mean you write a book. You write a memoir. You yeah. um, become a therapist. You become a pastoral therapist. You start mm-hmm. this in your church. I mean, there's just so many ways to give back and to create purpose. Mm-hmm. But Patrick Carnes, again, was so clear about the fact that when people in addiction – get into recovery and get that solid base, it's really time for them to look at how can they take their life to the next level. And and I'm a life mm-hmm. coach and a mental health therapist, and I really believe in everybody oh, yeah. actualizing their life potential. And yeah. so what I found so amazing about your book is you give them that sense of not only can I recover, my life can be bigger and better than I ever thought it could be even before this trauma, before mm-hmm. the neglect, before the addiction. And so I just got to thank you because truly I don't you're, – you're wise beyond your age, and, and certainly you're the director of a clinical program. Tell us a little bit about LifeStar. Yeah, well, you know, LifeStar is actually a network that's throughout the U.S., um, and there's one in Canada, and so – these, you know, many of the the therapists in our network um, do specialize in this area. There's many CSATs and um, SATPs, which is what I am. Um, but it's it's throughout the U.S. and it's really it's it's really pretty amazing because it's an outpatient treatment program, and we have a program for the addicts as well as for the partners. And we really you know want to help the partners work through their trauma um, and and what they're going through. And so we we guide the we guide the clients through a series of workbooks and um, and exercises, and it's very focused on group therapy. Um, and so I, I'm actually at this point leading eight groups a week, um, very busy doing that, um, but but find it to be very meaningful. And um, so yeah, there's there is Life Stars throughout the U.S. and um, it's it's a great network to be a part of. Well, and when I was first training as a CSAT, I met several CSAT candidates that were from LifeStar. And what I oh, remember yeah. to be true is that while some um, people that became CSATs actually had gone through recovery and they wanted to do something more, the people in LifeStar had a really grounded understanding of Patrick Carnes. They used a lot mm. of their materials. They worked mm-hmm. with groups, and we all know that, Working individually with a client is wonderful, but when you do group work, it's mm-hmm. like what happens in the group happens out there, what happens out there happens in the group, and we all learn from each other. It's, it expediates recovery as far as I'm concerned. Do you find yeah. that to be true? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I'm I'm a big believer in groups, and yeah, I, I have a chapter in the book about that. It's called The Paradox of Pornography Addiction, What We Fear Most Will Heal Us. And I know that we fear being exposed in a group, but I've just seen it be 
such a powerful experience. And I, I really, I, I, this is my bias, so I don't think we can recover without a group. Um, you know, there's a lot of great work we can do individually, but I'm definitely a big believer in the group process and um, think that the the other clients can give each, each other something that I can't give them. And um, I just think it's very powerful to be part of that process. Um, well, you know, I so, definitely know that just in general, whether you're an addict or you're working through life, when you hear it from somebody, an expert, uh, a therapist, mm-hmm. a pastor, whatever, okay, it may make a difference, it may not. But when you hear it from somebody who's been through it, that mm-hmm. fortifies what you need to know. And then when you hear it from somebody else, the beauty of that is repetition really can make a difference in your belief system and how you take in information. And so I've always felt LifeStar was uh, an amazing organization because they did so much group work. And, and I, I know your mm-hmm. chapter talks about that. And when I did my CSAT, um, the one thing that I w- did not have in my own practice was um, a group. And when oh, I talked yeah. to Patrick Barnes, I said, what do I need? He goes, you need a group? And I go, yeah. I need a sex addiction group. He said, absolutely, and that's <laughs> all I needed. And, oh, you know, wow. it has filled me as well as, you know, they just, they are my evangelists for more clients. They're like, you got to get in this group. This group is crazy. You know, it's crazy good. <laughs> yeah. And, um I just so appreciate anybody who's working on recovery that feels the energy from being with other recovering addicts. I mean, there's mm-hmm. nothing better. Yeah, it's definitely can become like a, a team or a family, you know, getting to I, – I call it the connection classroom because that's where they learn to connect sometimes for the very first time in their lives, and I think it's very powerful. Absolutely. Now, as we begin to end the show, I want you to tell me, is there anything else that you want our listening audience to know in terms of hope, strength, and recovery, in terms of your book, or in terms of purpose and passion? Yeah. You know, a couple of chapters in the book stood out to me as things I thought I I would like to mention. Um, Because somebody read the book and said, well, you have you have everything in here about sex addiction, but what about like healthy sexuality? And so I ended up creating a chapter in there on uh, what healthy sexuality looks like in recovery. So I think that's a great part of the book. Um, and then there's also a very um, specialized chapter on um, the disclosure process. And I think that's something that just would be really helpful for for clients to read, um, as well as the clinicians that are working with them through that process. So I, I just wanted to say that there was a couple of other topics that we hadn't discussed that I think are really helpful um, for those working through recovery. Those are a couple of them. And and then really just, you know, I my dedication in the book is just that I believe in you, you know, to my children, clients, and students, I believe in you. And it's, it's kind of simple, but... Um, that's really the message I want to get out there is that I, I believe people can recover and I believe in the people that are, are in the trenches and, and suffering through this right now. And, you know, I just would so strongly encourage them to, 
to reach out and get the help that they need and and know that it's possible and, and that it's meaningful. And so uh, if, if reading this book is part of that process, then awesome. And if not, um, I, I still wish them the best in their recovery. Well, I absolutely agree with you 100%. And, you know, again, you've been a real inspiration. And I am an APSATS. Have you ever heard of APSATS, A-P-S-A-T-S? Oh, no. I'm not sure. I don't, I don't know if I have. That is a partner organization whereby we oh, learn yeah. trauma and sensitivity. And okay. I've been credentialed, and now I'm a clinical specialist and actually I'm on the board and and it's a wonderful organization for partners who want to make sure that they are getting the the best um a best availability for disclosure information because you and I both mm-hmm. know that oftentimes what a partner wants most is to know everything so that nothing ekes out and so that they can put it behind them and move forward in building the trust mm-hmm. with the sex addict. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, we at um, ITAP, and then we in the very specialized field of partner trauma, we follow mm-hmm. a, a a disciplined approach that makes sure that everybody's prepared, everybody's safe, oh, yeah. everybody knows what they're doing, and they actually have a formula to use. And so mm-hmm. I can appreciate the fact that you know how important it is for partners to get that procedure mm-hmm. done in a way that makes them feel safe and and keeps them trusting the process of getting the information and then moving mm-hmm. forward. Yes, definitely. I I strongly emphasize the importance of doing this right, and I say don't do it at home. <laughs> don't try this at home. The disclosure process. You know, we I follow a very strict guideline myself, and I, I think that's absolutely essential because it's pretty toxic information, very sensitive. Yes, I absolutely agree. First, I want you to keep us posted on what you're doing, and you let us know when you are um, promoting a project, promoting another book, promoting a workshop, whatever it is, you obviously have um, a real sense of passion and purpose for this work, and I just so appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, thank you. No, I'll definitely be in touch, and I really appreciate you letting me be on the show and um you know, I hope that this will be encouragement to your listeners. I absolutely agree. And, again, for any clinician who wants this book at 50% off, you've got to email Forrest at his email address, and Forrest, give it to us one more time. Yeah, it's Forrest at ForrestBenedict.com, and that's Forrest with one R. That's right. And then if you if you lose that, you can contact me, obviously, at Carol at CarolTheCoach.com, and I will move that forward. He's going to honor this for the month of April. So Mm -hmm. um, you take care of yourself. Keep us abreast of what you're doing. And thank you so much for being such an inspiration to sex addicts all over the world. Yeah, thank you. And and I really appreciate your work as well. So it's a pleasure to be here. And thank you for, for all that you're doing as well, Carol. All right, Forrest. You have a great week. You too. Thank you. Bye. Uh huh. All right, that was Forrest Benedict, and he had written the book Life After Lust. It's 
Stories and Strategies for Sex and Pornography Addiction Recovery. And uh, it is an amazing book. I highly encourage you to read that. And I so appreciate you listening to the show and making this the uh, most important sexual addiction show on the Internet. I will see you next week for more Sex Help with Carol the Coach. And as I end every show, I want you to fearlessly have the courage to be yourself. You have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon.